and welcome to The Unexplained Truths. Stories of life, healing, and unexplained events. We're your hosts. I'm Julie. And I'm Genevieve. On this show, we will explore and uncover the hidden truths about life, healing, and unexplained events with our guests through real-life stories. So get ready to be educated, enlightened, and inspired through our guests and their stories. Today, we have Raven Keys. Raven is a medical Reiki master and teacher, as well as the founder of Raven Keys Medical Reiki International. She's also a certified hypnotherapist and meditation maven. She was the first to bring Reiki into the operating room with Dr. Oz and has been working with surgeons such as Dr. Sheldon Feldman, who formerly was the chief of breast cancer surgery at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital and is now at Montefiore Hospital in the Bronx in New York. Raven has been providing Reiki to patients before, during, and after their surgeries for two decades now. Based on this important work, she has created a new elite team of Reiki masters known as RKMRI, Certified Medical Reiki Masters, who are trained to bring Reiki into the operating room and into any medical situation. In the world of professional sports, she has introduced Reiki to the NFL and the NBA. She was featured in national magazines such as Vogue and W. Raven was named Best Reiki Master in New York by New York Magazine and was televised as New New Yorker of the Week on New York One for providing her volunteer services during her eight and a half months after 9-11. Her award-winning book, The Healing Power of Reiki is an Amazon bestseller. Included in her second book, The Healing Light of Angels, Raven describes the ways in which the spiritual beings called the angels to support her work. Raven, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. Can I just start by asking you, so I'm someone who doesn't know that much about Reiki. I've experienced it with Genevieve, and she's amazing. Uh, but I don't understand how it works. So can you explain a little bit for me and for our viewers how exactly does uh, Reiki work? Well, Reiki, the word, means universal life force energy. Um, So what happens when you're administering Reiki is that you're sitting in a flow Um, Reiki practitioners receive these things called attunements. So there are openings made that uh, make us like a hollow bone. Like I, um, that's the main thing that we try to do is just be empty and hollow and let the energy flow through us. Um, So what happens then is that amazing things happen. Unexplained things can happen. Um, uh, For example... There have been cases where I've been working with somebody with, with breast cancer. That seems to be my specialty because I've been working with Dr. Feldman for so long, um, where if, if the person got Reiki ahead of schedule, uh, uh, excuse me, ahead of their surgery, they um, may have had their tumors shrink. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't happen every time. You don't know what's really going to happen. But in the operating room, like um, when the person is receiving Reiki during their surgery, their blood pressure remains steady, which is a really big deal. You don't want the blood pressure to cause a stroke, right. um, which can happen. Then the um, surgery goes quicker, and that's good because then the patient isn't under anesthesia for so long. There's way less pain afterward, and sometimes people don't even take pain medication like two days later. They could have had a bilateral mastectomy, and then they're just taking Tylenol two days later, and soon after that, they're not taking any pain meds at all. And then... um, there are less complications, like um, you don't want infection to come. I don't know. I don't. Uh, it's an unexplainable thing. Like, why does this energy work? And there's a lot of controversy too. There are are, are scientists and doctors that don't believe in energy. Yeah. But I. You know, uh, to me, it doesn't make any sense not to. Right. Everything is running on energy that we can't see. Mm-hmm. Right. 
our that phones, we can't see. Yeah, <laughs> that we can't see. And then what is it really? Well, the way that I experience it, it's unconditional pure love. Like giving Reiki, you go into a bliss state yourself because it's so beautiful. And so it's transferred. And um, Einstein said energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only be um, transformed mm -hmm. or transferred from one to another, one thing to another. There's a lot that we could say about that on that subject yeah. of transference of energy. But, you know, to medical doctors, I think, okay, somebody's on the table and they're like, say there's an emergency and they're fighting to save the person's life mm -hmm. and they're sewing all these things back together and doing whatever they're doing. But what if the patient dies, like in spite of all their efforts? Well, what, what's the difference? What, what just happened? Can't they understand that the patient's energy left their body mm. and now this is what's left? I, I, to me, it only makes sense. But So mm. you use your body as a vessel to yes. pull energy through you and transfer it to someone else? Yes, okay. it comes out of our hands okay. mm -hmm. and goes. And we don't have to touch the person. Some, sometimes we do and sometimes we don't, depending. And also what's really great about it is that there's somebody in the operating room to take care of the patient. You know, uh, we don't have patients. Our, our, the people that we work with legally, we call clients. But if we say the word patient, it means it's a doctor's mm. patient. But, you know, when we're working on a doctor's patient, they're receiving um, this energy that's healing them, even while they're being cut and cauterized and all these things are going on. There's healing energy flowing to them, to that spot. And it's intelligent light, like um, it knows what to do. So, um, whatever needs to be done, we don't have to think about it. We just think about being the hollow bone. I asked to be the hollow bone. I am the hollow bone. However, it's coming at the moment. And we get information. Mm -hmm. We actually get information about what's really going on with that person who is a human being. But, you know, the surgery is so complex that it's, it's not unusual for this living thing to just go missing. Do you know what I mean? If there's a microsurgery going on, the, the doctor is so concentrated on maybe sewing a vein together that you can't even see with your naked eyes. They have like microscopes on, a, you know, on their, the, a shield that they're looking through and whatever. It's like they don't have time right, to yeah. think about who's. Mm -hmm. vein they're sewing. Right. They have to put all their concentration in that one thing. Right. And how did you get involved in Reiki in the first place or in all of this, really? <laughs> Your journey is <laughs> incredible. Well, I was um, an actor, and I was really happy I, doing that for many years. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, my, um, I had a private yoga teacher and she came to my house and my husband and myself were doing yoga with her. And this, so anyway, this one day she showed up and she said, oh, I just took Reiki over, over the weekend and I know how to do um, some Reiki now. So um, Raven, you look really <laughs> tired. I want you to lie down and I'm gonna do Reiki on you while I lead Michael in the poses. So this is when I realized you don't really have to be doing anything. Do you know what I'm saying? Except be missing in a way, right. not trying to direct it. Because if you're trying to direct it, sometimes you're doing the wrong thing because it knows what to do. You right. know, our minds are so powerful. So anyway, there we are. And I'm, she's got her hands on my feet and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, <gasps> Like, I could feel it. It was so amazing. And she's not paying any attention to me at all. She's, like, directing my husband in his yoga poses. Bend a little more this way. Oh, no, do this. Lift your leg. Whatever she was saying to him. And meanwhile, I was going into this uh, incredible experience of joy and beauty, beautiful energy flowing through me. I didn't know what it was, but I wanted it. And I knew that I wanted to be able to do it for other people. So soon thereafter, through a whole set of circumstances, I ended up training with this person I never met. I just got a flyer in the mail. I didn't know who she was. I never went to a health fair. I don't even know how this thing came to me, but it was meant to be because she was the right one for me. And as anybody who practices Reiki knows, 
it finds you. Mm-hmm. You don't find it. You can try to make, because I was trying to get with the teacher that had trained my yoga teacher. Never worked out. Mm-hmm. I get this thing, and then it just happens. So I ended up becoming a Reiki master. And soon thereafter, then I got a job. I couldn't believe it. I, I went to, uh, there was no manual or anything when I trained. I uh, it was 1995. For whatever reason, I didn't have a manual. I just had notes. And then I was invited by the um, person who owned Equinox Fitness, because it wasn't owned by a, a family at, uh, in the beginning, to give her Reiki. So, you know, I went there and I had my notebook hidden under, because um, I hadn't really practiced that much. All of a sudden, I'm a Reiki master. And I had hardly ever worked on anybody. So I had my notes with all my. Um, hand positions and everything on it, and um, so when when that so I put a towel over her her eyes, and then I slipped out my notebook, and I'm like you know, and I'm just doing like turning the pages and doing what you know. It was really amazing, and so she hired me to um, do Reiki, and then because they had a PR team. Um, all these magazine editors were coming and writing stories about Reiki, and it was really basically not a known thing at all. So now it's starting to get published in Vogue and W and all this stuff, and um, and then I had and then they asked me to teach meditation at Equinox. <laughs> well, I had never taught meditation, but I took a lot of meditation classes. So um, I said, okay, uh, you know, I got, I've gotten to a place where, and I, I recommend this highly, if you're asked by the universe to do something, just say yes, mm, yeah. because you'll figure it out and you won't be left in the lurch. Mm-hmm. The universe will support you. So um, I said yes, and then in one of my meditation classes, um, there was a woman who came, and she um, came up to me after the class. She wasn't even a member of Equinox. She was the guest of someone. And um, we started working together because um, she had an injury that hadn't healed. And, you know, and that was resolved, and all these other things were resolved. And then one day she called me and said, um, one day she just called me, and she said, I need to see you right away. Um, tomorrow, can you see me tomorrow? I said, yes. And so when she came to me, she was like shaking. And she said she had just been told she needed to have open heart surgery. And um, she had read an article, as had I, in the New York Times about Dr. Oz. And she was interviewing him the next day. And she said, oh, if he says that you can come in the operating room, because that's what the article was about, was how he embraced all this, will you come with me? I said, no, absolutely (laughs) not. I will not be able to do that. I'm really sorry. But that's the last thing in the world I could ever imagine myself doing. I'm squeamish. I can't stand the sight of blood. I mean, really. I'm. I was really terrified of the uh, just the idea of it. But then, when I was doing the um, Reiki session on her, I thought, well, let's get you ready. You'll go see him tomorrow, whatever. And right away, like I, many, many, many of us, and everybody that I train works with spirit. Uh, spiritual helpers and um, I always recommend angels because Mm -hmm. angels are like just so pure they're just pure love they never say anything negative everything is approached from a positive standpoint and there's power divine power whatever that means um, is their their um, neighborhood you know Mm -hmm. so um, you don't have to be worried about anything there's only good going to come from that so my um, my guide has always been the Archangel Gabriel, and I figured that out through a whole set of circumstances. But nevertheless, Gabriel came right away and said, um, you have to say yes to her at the end of the session. Tell her that you'll go and give her your resume. And I thought, I must be making this up, you know, because <laughs> I had just written my resume the day before, and I thought, Sure. Right. So I just followed the um, instruction, and at the end I said, okay, Susanna, if Dr. Oz says yes, I will do it, and here's my resume. And then the next day I was teaching my meditation class at Equinox on 63rd Street, and um, there, 
you know, this being New York, there's every kind of everybody that's in your class. And there was a doctor of anesthesia that happened to be one of my students. So after class, I was talking to him and I said, oh, well, what do you think about this? You know, my, my client wants me to go to surgery. He said, no, that'll never happen. It's just not done. Not five minutes later, the phone rang, and it was Suzanne, and she's like, I'm at Dr. Oz's office, and he said you can come. All he wanted to see was your resume. <laughs> to this wow. day, she tells, I can't believe it. To this day, if you were to speak with her, she is still amazed that she had the resume in her pocketbook. Wow. And so anyway, I went to surgery, and it was really intense. And you know, I've written about it in my book, um, The Healing Power of Reiki, and I'm going to tell a more expanded story about it, you know, all the details that I didn't tell in the first go-round. I'm going to tell in my new book, which is going to be about medical Reiki. I was asked to join Oz's research team. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. Sure. Sure. And so then I'm sitting, at, you know, every Tuesday, 8.30 in the morning in Dr. Oz's conference room in his personal office. We're all sitting there, and it's a round table. It's like King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table or whatever. And um, there are name plates, you know, at every seat. Doctor this, Ph.D. that, M.D., blah, 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 around and around. Reiki master with my name. And I'm like... What am I doing here? I am right. so out of my league is what I felt. But I was really welcomed, and Oz was really happy about it. And um, we just, uh, he wanted me to work with this doctor from India who was, you know, in the program or a, t or a, a doctor there. And we were going to do an energy medicine, you know, research energy together. And, well, anyway... A lot of things happened, and then um, because I was on a list at Columbia, uh, on their um, list of practitioners, I was invited to do other things, and I ended up doing like a double lung transplant, but I didn't have to go through the whole surgery. It's a long story, but I'm so glad. I know that I could never have done that so early on in yeah. my career. I That's a long surgery. Yes. Yeah. And then... Right after that, the, um, the guy who got the double lung transplant, it was right before 9-11. Who knew? You know? Oh, wow. It was right before um, that happened. And um, if, he didn't get, if the, he didn't get his lungs exactly when he did, that operation took place on Saturday night. Um, and uh, if it didn't happen then, on Tuesday, everything was closed airspace, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like when there's a transplant, the everything's being flown in on a Learjet, you know, with right. the doctors and everything. And so he would have died. He, so he was really meant to live. But um, then my whole life shifted. And for eight and a half months, then I was working um, at the family center and at the medical examiner's office and then at Ground Zero itself administering Reiki. How did you get how did you get the spot right at ground zero? That's really and how did you deal with that? Like that I know for me even going down there now. Yeah. It's strange it's, energy. It's very strange. It's very intense. Yeah. So I don't know how I mean how. <laughs> how did you did you get that? How did you um, I do don't, that. I really don't know how I did it, and um, but I felt like I needed to do it. Like it was, I was called to do it, and I always, every single day, I felt like I was representing for Reiki, and I felt like I was lucky to be there, even though it was the hardest thing in the whole that I've ever, ever done. And I hope and pray nobody ever has to go through that again, because it was horrible. But um, I knew I had to do it, and it was like I, all the pieces fell into place. I found out about a, um, a, a center that doesn't even exist in New York anymore. It was called Olive Leaf, and they had been somehow met the right people at the right time, and then all this stuff happened, and so I had to go there and give my credentials, and then um, the first place they sent me to was to the family center, and it was so heavy there. I mean, it was like the big warehouse on the Hudson River, and they turned it into 
a place to try to help the families and the people that were affected by this. It was, it was, it was unbelievable. And I was doing Reiki on people, and people who died were coming and giving messages to their. And like half the time, I didn't know what to do. It's like, what do you do? Do you say anything? Do you not say anything? I had to really ask: Should I say anything? Should I not? Because people were hysterical with grief yeah. and dead. And like they get on the table, there was nobody home. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you couldn't feel their life. They were so out there because they couldn't deal with the grief. So, um, it, and, and after a while, I just couldn't take it because the mothers that were so brokenhearted mm -hmm. at losing their children. And um, there, was, there are some mothers that I, I never will forget. One was from Peru and she was crying and I didn't speak Spanish and the the um, uh, the person who was helping get everybody on the table spoke Spanish, so she came running in, and the woman was saying to me, "My son, my son, he was working in the restaurant. He, we are so poor. We're from Peru. He was sending money home to the family, and he died on his birthday. He died on, like she was beyond." hysterical. And then it's like, what do you do? And like we had been told, don't you know, hug the people or whatever. You can't not hug somebody yeah, that's right. like in that situation. So of course we were absorbing and I had this, um, this feeling like if only I could take a little bit of this grief away from this person, like I didn't realize that I was taking it in, mm. that I was like taking it in. And you, that's not Reiki. Yeah. You don't take anything in. It's a one-way street. But this transcended my job. Do you know what I mean? It was like I was a human being in this situation trying to help these people. And I cried every single day. Every night when I got home, I just wept. And um, so finally, when a woman had grabbed onto me, a mother, and was screaming bloody murder and had pulled me down to her face and said, do you see my daughter? Can you see my daughter? Ah! Like she just oh went crazy. God. And I thought it took like th they had... Um, like mental health workers who had yeah. come from all over the United States and they all these people rushed in to try to calm her down. She had to be helped off the table. She couldn't even walk. It was like, I can't do this. I can't be in this environment. So I asked to be transferred to the medical examiner's office, which is across. So we have this tent set up on the sidewalk across the street from the morgue. The medical examiner's oh office is where God. all the mortuary stuff goes on and everything like that. And it was like the crime center for all of New York City and really the country, FBI, CIA, you name it, NYPD, police from all over the country, especially in New York, state police, um, firefighters, uh, fire marshals, all these people that, and mortuary people, people who had um, demort, um, disaster mortuary operational response team, people were here from all over the United States with all their skills, forensic science, um, dentists, all these people were getting on the table. And part of our job was to go out and salute when the um, when the when the um, ambulances the, uh, came in with the dead, and so oh it was one, a really intense environment to work in, and um, people that didn't believe in Reiki, and this is really something that's big for me, is that they didn't believe anything. They never heard of Reiki. They didn't know what it was, and um, and when they were coaxed to get on a table because everybody was exhausted beyond words, and they were overworking themselves, and had this feeling that they could never do enough, no matter how much anybody did, they felt like they weren't doing enough, and that was rampant, and survivor guilt because people had lost their friends, their brothers, course, their fathers, yeah. you know, sisters, lots of things, and so I just made. Um, a lot of friends who never heard of Reiki, and then they would say, do I have to believe in anything? Because if I have to believe in something, I can't do it. I don't mm. believe in God. I don't believe in anything. If there was anything good going on, this never would have happened, you know? Right. So even though they didn't believe it, they received it, and they loved it.
And they would just keep coming back for no, for more. How do you say that? Reggae. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> like the Brooklynese, uh, whatever. It was really amazing. Um, they had to shut down um, our tent because they needed more space for um, refrigeration trucks. So, um, so then the Port Authority Police Department found out about us. And we were invited to go to Ground Zero to their trailer. So that's how I got to Ground Zero. And I arrived there the 1st of January until the site closed, which was right before Memorial Day. And so I was there the night before the site closed, and everybody was gathering together and passing out um, gifts to each other and stuff like that. And I got a gift from uh, uh, one of the Port Authority Police Department um, officers who had a big responsibility for guarding the buildings at night. He was That was his shift. And he gave me a key to the World Trade Center. Yeah. Wow. wow. So I have this key that says World Trade Center, and on the other side it says Do Not Duplicate. Wow. Wow. Mm. It's one of my most treasured things. Where do you keep it? It's <laughs> hidden away in my New York apartment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't look at things, you know. Mm. Like I had, I had so much PTSD myself at the end. Yeah. And then I lost my kidney. And yeah, from all the toxicity. Wow. And yeah. I mean, nobody ever told me that except the angels. But I always listen to what they say. There's so much that we can't prove. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Dr. Feldman has said that himself. Um, um, he has written about it and spoken about it. If we have to prove everything, we won't really be able to help our patients as much as we can if we have to prove every last thing. But he really wants to prove the yeah. effects of Reiki. We might never be able to measure love or mm. what this unconditional pure love from the that is the universe that makes all of our so cells alive maybe we'll never be able to prove that it exists i don't know but we can prove what it does and so for th that reason i don't know i don't think this is really a very common thing for we the people to be able to pay for a medical study it's very expensive to do um research. There are a lot of people that have to be paid for what they do. So I founded a company for a while, you know, for all these years of working together and him witnessing the benefits that his patients have received from having Reiki in the operating room. Um, we spoke a lot about doing a research project to prove the benefits that he was witnessing. Um, in a scientific way. And finally, we got to a place where we decided the um, only and best way, because who in the, in the big picture of medicine is going to do this? Who? Right. We have to do it. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and Dr. Feldman and myself are the two people that know what this is, because he is the only surgeon that has had Reiki in his operating room time after time after time after time to help his patients. And I'm the one that's been there, you know, amazingly, and time after time after time. So we're the ones who know what this is and what, what the benefits are. So therefore, um, it was decided that I would found a company. I'm not on the board of directors. It's run by a board of directors, but I founded a company to raise the money to do this research, and anybody can make a donation to it through the website. And it's got a great name. It's www.medicalreikiworks.org. If you go to that website, there's a donate button on almost every page. <laughs> and then there's That's the whole smart. story. Yes, there's the whole story and a letter that is from Dr. Feldman's personal letter to the public about why he's doing this. It's a very personal story because his sister died of breast cancer and she was young. She was 37 and had three young children. Wow. And um, from everything that he witnessed himself, he changed his career. He was going to be a thoracic surgeon, do heart surgery, and he changed to become a breast cancer surgeon with this great desire for um, his patients to receive better care than what he saw his sister receive. And 
adding um, complementary integrative integrative medicine is the big word right now you know it depends yeah. on what hospital but some like alternative and complementary mm -hmm. or energy medicine but the big word is really integrative medicine which really describes it best because it's not taking the place of um, conventional medicine it's working together and patients need this to happen they really do it is not cool to ask people to go through these surgeries with nobody to take care of them. Right. Well, it's such a trauma to the body. Yes. And that's the that's a big thing that I mean when I describe Reiki to people, that's a big thing that I bring up is that it really helps people with trauma, whether it's emotional, physical, spiritual, whatever trauma. Yes. So, yeah. Well, that's really brilliant because that's what the angels say. Like when somebody's getting um, surgery and they're being cut, it's not just their body. It's all the levels of their life that's receiving the trauma, you know. And what's really interesting, too, is that um, I am working with anesthesia because that's where I usually am is right where they are. And they have taught me things. And one thing that I've been taught by them is that when certain things go on, levels go on the, on the monitors that they're watching, it indicates that even though the patient is unconscious, they're under anesthesia, their body's feeling pain. And so they shoot something into the IV to stop the pain. Even though they're unconscious and their brain isn't registering it, they're still in pain. That is just a huge thing to know because while all that's going on, if, you're, if they're receiving Reiki, things are shifting. I mean, they're, they're being cared for in ways that are just phenomenal. Like, you can feel it. You're not unconscious. You're there. And you can feel what's happening, and you can almost sometimes see what's happening, you know? Like you can almost see where the Reiki's going. And then if there's an you can feel an emergency if there is going to be one before it happens and deal with it before it turns into a, a train wreck. And it's really hard for scientists to believe any of what I just said. Yeah. Only thing is, I know that it's true. Like, we are really protecting somebody's life. Right. And what if they die on the operating table? That's never happened to me before. But um, we know what to do. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, if a soul is trying to leave, if this is really their destiny, and the, and the whole script was written for this day is the day they can leave and go back into the light— you are the one that can really help that to happen, um, a, a soul to, or light, Transition. you know, a, a essence of somebody. You can midwife that. You'll just know what to do because of the fact that we're working for, with spirit. We're not alone in the operating room. And that's not all. It's like, what is the first thing that we do when we go in there? We clear the operating room. Because nobody has cleaned that operating room or cleared that space of everything that's happened in there. Because right. it's surgery after surgery after surgery, one after the other. I mean, this surgery ends, a, a team comes in, clears it up, the whole team goes to another operating room, and now this one's ready for the next yeah. go-round. Right. And um, a, lot of, a lot of things happen. And I've been reading um, Dr. Well, M.D., um, Atul Gawande's work. Oh my God. He has a book called Complications, and it's the book about being a surgeon. He's a renowned surgeon, and um, it's a bird's eye view into all the things that can go wrong and all the things that do go wrong. And it's like somebody should be on, on duty for that, for the patient, you right. know? And then also, the operating room can be a really intensely um, challenging place for all the people that work there. I mean, not everybody's nice. Yeah. Right, yeah. And conditions. when one of us is in the operating room, they're a lot nicer. Mm. They don't want, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, it's somebody that's outside of, you know, their bubble. Um, so from what I've learned about different energy healing techniques, it's it sounds like from what you said about your yoga instructor. Sounds like you kind of have to get out of your own way 
in order to do the healing work. I'm wondering, is it harder to work on people that you are very close to or that you love because you're so invested in them healing or is it the same? Well, it's harder for you as a human being to work on somebody that you love. Like my son, when I was going to get my kidney operation, he said he would come to surgery with me immediately. And I said, no, 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 mm. that's never going to work. Because I wouldn't want to go to surgery with him either. And that's yeah. actually happened, yeah. that he's had surgeries. And I just knew I couldn't be there. It it would be really hard to witness certain things in the operating room. You don't want to see it. You wouldn't be able to take it, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, some people say, oh, yes, my mother's going to get heart surgery. I'm going to go. I'm like, good luck. You right. know, <laughs> really? You want to see that? Like the electric saw yeah. you know, oh and God. all that stuff? I don't stuff. think I would be able to do that with a family member or mm. spouse or anything. Yeah. It's like that's too, that's too much. Just for me. I mean, but in terms of... The energy, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? No, it doesn't no. matter. It's still to be the hollow bone. Um, that is the main job because you're the channel of intelligent energy. And Dr. Yusui himself, who um, started Reiki, he actually uncovered Reiki. It was a, an amazing event that took place. Like he, um, for 28 years, was traveling everywhere um, and, and through all these countries seeking enlightenment and that's what he was doing he was meditating and meeting with monks and doing all these things and taking on these practices and and ultimately after 28 years of doing all this he was on a mountaintop and the enlightenment came and un unbelievable to him it was a complete surprise he was not looking for a healing te technique at all but in the light, there were symbols made out of light that were like floating in the light around him. And the, a voice was saying, these are the keys to healing. Make sure they are not lost. Well, you know, then, then he started Reiki. And what's really interesting about that, too, is that um, he and Albert Einstein were contemporaries. And they both came to the conclusion that matches they match each other. You know, what they discovered matches what the other one discovered. And the only thing is, you know how there's uh, opposites? Whenever there's, there's always an opposite action or reaction. Um, Albert Einstein's greatest, his greatest grief in his life was that his special his uh, special relativity theory, um, E equals MC squared, was used to create the atomic bomb. That is how much power there is to destroy the world. On the other side, there's this that can only be used for healing. It can never, ever, ever be used for anything but good. But that's how much good is available in Reiki, is that much. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that in some ways we're only beginning to understand how powerful this Reiki actually is. Yeah. yeah. And so getting back to your question, I did have I never um, had a friend of mine or a close relative come uh, be diagnosed with breast cancer, mm -hmm. except one in England. And it really changed everything for me. You know, because I knew what was coming down the pike, and but there was nothing. There was nothing I could do except give her Reiki. And then in um, England, they're not as forward thinking as here. There was no way I was going to get in the operating room. And the tragedy was that um, I really. This is only my own opinion, and um, I'm saying that I don't really know. I'm saying that. I don't really know, but it seems to me that the surgeon didn't do a very good job because she came out of that surgery with so much pain that she still has now, and it's like months and months and months later. And then the, um, the fact is um, she wanted to get a certain—she um, had a mastectomy, so then she wanted to get a certain procedure done that, in, that I really had questions about. 
but I couldn't say anything. I, I couldn't say anything about it because, you know, like time has gone on. It's a different country. I don't know what their procedures are. I don't know how they do things in England. But I really suspected that it was a very, very dire choice that she was making. But I couldn't say anything. I couldn't say anything. And um, what ended up happening was that she got that procedure after her um, mastectomy, and it was, was really traumatic. Mm. And it, it, was, it has taken some time now for her to recover from that. Yeah. And sometimes it's really hard to know, you know, if you know what you know, and then somebody that you love is sick, and you know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's really hard. It's really hard. Right. But it makes you really pray, if you know what I'm saying. Like, my son was so ill, and I, I thought he might die. And um, I was even told by somebody who was a psychic that he was very likely going to die. And I um, agonized so much. And what happened was that in the end, I was able to really pray. You know, it took time, but I discovered the moment when things shift. Yeah. It's the moment when you're in the space of total surrender to whatever needs to happen. With That's all you can do. Like, I got to that place where um, the night before his surgery, I just was, like, I, uh, f for me, the divine is more feminine. Like, for me, that's what works. I can't get into the God thing. I mean, I think these are all made-up names anyway for something that can't be named. But from me, I prayed to the goddess and I said, goddess, if you need my son, I, 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 I give him to you. And I was just like weeping, but I meant it and I felt this peace come over me. Mm -hmm. So it, it seems like you seem to be very intuitive. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering, can anybody learn Reiki? Like somebody who is just not in tune to anything, can they learn Reiki and use the same techniques and be as successful? I think that um, anybody can learn Reiki. People learn Reiki for all different reasons. Um, they learn to take care of themselves mm -hmm. or, yeah, or to have a career, or shift a career, or they're called to be a healer. I feel like a lot of people in this world right now are being tapped by mm -hmm. spirit because it's an emergency. Yeah. You know, the planet, look what's going on in California. The whole freaking state is on fire. Right. Everything's burning. The animals, everything is burning up. And um, that's only one thing that's going on. There's so much going on with violence everywhere and things that are happening. And um, so I feel that many, many, many of us are on this planet right now. We said we would come here and we're here. And it's going to happen that this awakening is happening all yeah. over the world. Yeah. And yes, and people are standing up and saying, no more. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. Yeah. This isn't making me happy. I'm sick. I'm, you know, people are getting ill, I feel, because they aren't awake. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they're living a life that's making them ill on so many levels. Right. And so, mm -hmm. you know, and being bombarded by negative energy and all these airwaves and microwaves and this and that and this and that. So what I think is that, yes, anybody can learn Reiki. I cannot speak to other people's gifts, but I can tell you that people have gifts that yeah. are amazing. Gifts that I don't have, you know, like I, I am intuitive and I hear things and I know things, but I, there are people that can see inside the body because, and know what's wrong. Yeah. Probably also those people who are not awake wouldn't even be called to do something like Reiki. Well, they wouldn't hear it. Right. I don't think. I don't think they would really hear it unless. I also think there's this, there's, and it's part of the awakening is there's this thing happening where people are becoming, they're starting to value the value of their life more yes. as well, you know, and people are realizing, you know, wait, this is what I want. And it's, it's, we're kind of at a point, it's kind of at a point where we're like, well, what else do I have to lose? <laughs> it's like, it's like I might as well. And I think that's a great place to be sometimes mm. is just, you know, 
just go for it. I mean, if that's if if that is something that keeps keeps coming to you, then do it. Dr. Feldman speaks about how when a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's a very teachable moment for yeah. her to look at her life and find out how she got to this place yeah. and what she's going to do about it now. And not everybody lives, though, you know? It's like if you, if you live, I feel that um, people start to really value everything that's around them, and if they don't have very long to live, they, uh, they uh, have the opportunity to really connect to what's important mm -hmm. and leave this planet in a good place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like, um, and and if they are granted more time on Earth, yeah, they are. They're just shifted yeah. into a whole other reality for themselves because you get to see like what really matters. Yeah. If you're facing right a, a diagnosis that could take your cost you your life. Yeah. 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 It changes your identity. Too. It it yeah. does. And then also, I feel too that if you came here with a mission. And you just keep, life can take take over, you know, like all the responsibilities and the this and the that and the developing a career and doing all these things and marching to a drummer that you're really not supposed to, that's really not for you. Like you promised before you were born that you were going to do something else, mm -hmm. but you got so lost in yeah. the sauce <sighs> that you just lost your way and there's no getting back to it then you'll get sick. Right. Like it's a result. And it's a call to action. Right. It's the only, the only thing that would make you wake up. That's yeah. just my opinion. I have no proof for it. A lot of things that I speak about, there is no proof to. All I know is what my experiences are. And um, I'm not apologetic about that. And it's been very, very um, stressful for me to be thinking about the next book I'm writing. I wrote two books, it was easy. Yeah. This one is not easy because it's like, who am I writing this book for and how mm -hmm. am I gonna get this information across? And it's about medicine. For me, medicine is a huge doorway mm -hmm. for a lot of people to step through into the light. Because when we're in the operating room, everybody's being affected by that Reiki. And Dr. Feldman has said he feels it coming into his hands like when he's operating, because he's sensitive. Yeah. There are other people in the operating room that are sensitive too, and they feel the difference. And I've had people come up to me at the end, and they still have their masks on because they were in the operating room and the patient didn't go out yet. And they're like, have wonder in their eyes, and they're like, what, what are you doing? What have you just done? Yeah. What is that? Where's your card? You know, they want to know who what this is, yeah. and whether they are sensitive to it or not, it is affecting them because the human cells vibrate to that. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like what makes us alive. So their cells are responding to it. Maybe they didn't request healing because you know what I'm saying, like you always have to get a person's permission to consciously be working on them for their healing, but cells recognize their own identity, so then they vibrate at this high frequency of love. And so they leave the operating room, even if they're standing in the in an elevator next to somebody, their cells recognize something mm -hmm. in them. You know, it's like a really big way to pass the energy of light and change yeah. the world. Have you guys ever thought about um, doing a documentary? That would be nice. Oh my God, that would be so many amazing. More people would be, you know, would learn about it. And what's really amazing is that there was a woman who uh, um, made a sort of documentary about the healers after after nine eleven. Yeah, I actually have all that footage oh, that we it. shot, <laughs> mm -hmm. and it could be wound hmm. into yeah. <laughs> and I also have a great filmmaker who who's he's got it now, and um. He would like to do a documentary at some point, but that could be spun into a bigger story. Yeah. Yeah. So quickly before we run out of time, I just want to ask, the first thing that comes to your mind, what is the craziest story that, I mean, well, you've already told, in a, told a bunch of crazy <laughs> stories. Experience, but a healing yeah, experience. Yeah, healing experience. 
Um, well, I think that Whether the first thing that client. I think of is, um, is ground zero. The police were asking, because they were still there, and there were ghosts and everything that were wandering around on the site, and the site was cleared, and, you know, they didn't know what to do. And so, you know, because I was, like, uh, really close to these guys, I was called in, and they asked, is there anything you can do to get rid of these ghosts where they need to get, you know, off the site, and the the police are really upset about this, and, you know, whatever. I mean— So they could see them? They could Yes. And the they cops could hear could? them? Yes. Oh, my God. People calling their names. All kinds of things were going on. Wow. And so— um, Yeah. Wow. So I got a crew together, some of the healers that at work, the ground zero, um, police officers and firefighters and all kinds of people came down to ground zero. And I was connected up with a shaman in New Jersey that Sandra Ingerman, who's a very well-known American shaman, um, sent me to. Sandra's amazing. I've done a lot of work with her. But so anyway, we did this thing. And um, as it turned out, it, uh, there was a film crew that filmed the whole thing. And it was like the wind whipped up, and it was like there was dirt just blowing up, like during the ceremony. All this stuff was going on, and you could feel the energy and the beings just leaving, and it was wow. really, really intense. And at the end, the guy, the one who gave me the key, um, at the end of that ceremony, he took over and thanked me for never letting them down. And he gave me a flag that's folded up that had um, mm -hmm. flown over the site. And, and so people were there filming this. And then he took me by the arm. And there was a gourd that had been spun into this whole story uh, along the way. And it had a lot of objects in it. And so he picked up the gourd and put his arm through mine, and we went down this, this stairway into, the, into Ground Zero. And the film crew was filming, but there was no, no sound. And when we listened back, watched the film back, there was singing on, that was captured on, on the film. Oh. There was this high singing. Oh, my God. Yes. That's yes. crazy. Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. They were singing. The angels were singing, I feel. Oh, the angels were singing. That's a good story. That's a great <laughs> story. Wow. I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> Careful, Julie. Don't fall. <laughs> Is there one last message that you would like to, to give? Believe in yourself and know that you're divine, that you're, you have a spark of light inside you that oh, that's so beautiful and divine. And it's, I don't even know if, if divine is the right word. It is of the universe. We are all children of the universe, and we all, we all deserve to be happy and to shine. Our light needs to shine, and we have to help each other and remind each other I see you. I see you. I think Thank a lot of people need to hear that message. Mm -hmm. I think Thank so, you. too. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Of course. That completes this episode of The Unexplained Truths. If you enjoyed it, be sure to like, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you in the next episode. Want more? Head over to our YouTube channel, The Unexplained Truths. Do you or someone you know have an interesting story to tell? If you would like to be on our show, please email us at theunexplainedtruths at gmail.com.